Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow, premiered on January 10th, 2006, directed by Kim Manners and written by John Scheiben. We are... Natural, natural, Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean go their separate ways for about 24 hours after an argument over filial piety. During this time, the people of Burkittsville, Indiana, attempt to sacrifice Dean to a pagan god, and Sam has a romantic evening with a hitchhiker who, unbeknownst to Sam, is some sort of murderous supernatural being. Sam and Dean make up and burn a tree. There wasn't a previously on. I noticed that. I didn't notice that. We also added showing the title of the episode on the screen. Oh, yeah. I saw that as a trivia fact, but I'm terrible because I never notice any television show. I don't notice the title. Greg, how did you feel about Chekhov's tattoo? It was like a mystery of like, obviously, there's something with this tattoo. What is it going to have to do with anything? And then it came up with the scarecrow. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But like, it just seemed like to be such a big deal. Um, and I, I was like running through my head about like, okay, this is like 2006, like are tattoos a big deal still, you know, not really. But like when I thought about it, am I more likely to remember someone's face or the tattoo that I saw on their arm? That's true. It's probably the tattoo I saw on their arm. Really? That's a, that's a good point. Is that how she ended up remembering them or did she mention it again? Emily, um, whenever Dean's showing the picture to Emily's uncle, um, she says, was that the guy with the tattoo? Okay. They stopped for gas. It was a very unique tattoo, though. Like, it was, like, uh, not not unique, but it was, like, the, the area where it was and, like, what it looked like was definitely not your most common tattoo. So I, th- I thought it was going to be more to it. I thought it was going to be, like, you know, he was using it for some type of power. It symbolized he was in some type of uh, organization or something weird like that. But it, it just ended up being just a mark to recognize him. <laughs> so when our first couple goes out to the, the orchard, why why were there so many apples and ladders out in April? <laughs> I and couldn't then, stop <laughs> noticing that. <laughs> They're trying so hard to call out the fact that this is supposed to be an apple orchard with hazelnut trees yeah (laughs) i read that trivia fact as well (laughs) did you catch that on your own (laughs) i knew they weren't apple trees yeah i didn't know they were hazelnut trees but i was like those aren't apple trees (laughs) well that's what's crazy is like i've been to an apple orchard like i know what apple trees look like and it's still i didn't notice at all i just looked like it was just like in the background of like not paying attention the thing that got me was they had all these basically dead trees, not dead trees, but dead for the season uh, trees all around. 
and there were baskets full of these bright red, <laughs> bright green <laughs> apples. apples. <laughs> oh, man. And I was like, those are not recent. <laughs> Guys, it, I'm, I'm going to let you know, it works on simpletons. They, they pulled one over on me. <laughs> like, I definitely noticed, like, the, the baskets of apples seemed weird. But I did not put together like, well, one, those aren't apple trees. Two, even if they are apple trees, they're dead. Three, it's the wrong time of season. All of those things, I was not, I had no uh, perception <laughs> about it. Look at all these apples and ladders around here. It's definitely an orchard. <laughs> <laughs> that scarecrow, though, in general, that is a creepy scarecrow. It's very creepy. They killed it with this costume. It's he terrifying. looks so good. And when he does that, like, little head turn. Yeah. <laughs> so good. The girl kind of shrugged it off and said, let's get out of here. And I thought that was pretty true to life, because if something like that happened to you in person, you would be like, I'm either seeing things or something made it move. But it's clearly not alive, obviously. And you would just shrug it off and leave. And then you'd be murdered by the scarecrow. The single thing I was disappointed by the scarecrow um with the scarecrow by was the fact that we never actually got to see it get down from where it was hanging <laughs> i would have loved to see what that process looked like but probably like the uh wizard of oz scarecrow where it like needs help off and then it like stumbles around and then it's just <laughs> and then he's super strong vince disappears and then girl goes crazy looking for him am i wrong or was his face missing whenever she found him I think his face was missing. So was that because he took his skin? But like it was just his face. It was wild. <laughs> the whole thing's weird. That's very <laughs> weird. Yeah, I didn't give much thought to what the scarecrow is actually doing to these sacrifices. When Dean first sees his tattoo, I thought it was like almost like a curse of having to take over as the scarecrow and, and whatnot. So I didn't even think about, like, is he, he's just taking their skin and using it as his own. Like, is it just patchwork or is he taking over completely? Like, it's that's I did not give this much thought. We really don't get an explanation for it either. If I can make a complaint about this opening scene, this is the worst filmed foot chase I've ever seen. It looked like they were practically running in place with the shakiest <laughs> shaky cam I've ever seen. And uh, just all around, it was not a good time for me. <laughs> I did not like it. I had a problem with her um, because when she stops and she's like, oh, where did my husband, boyfriend, fiance, whatever he is, go? It almost looks like she turns and runs back towards the scarecrow. Like the way the cameras were angled mm-hmm. or whatever. It, I was like, I couldn't figure out where, which direction she was running anymore. I will say that the acting from these two at the beginning did make me appreciate Kat and Gavin from last week even more. Oh man. How wonderful <laughs> they were. I was kind of nervous that our two like one of the two at the beginning were gonna survive and we were gonna have to deal with that for the whole time. But I mean thankfully they got <laughs> murdered. <laughs> oh, thank God. I almost felt like this was a little homage to um like older horror almost. Like I'm specifically thinking of like Rocky Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like the car breaks down and oh, there's a light in the distance. And I, it was like that, like ditzy girl and like the, the boyfriend who has to be strong and like, no, it's okay. We'll go get help. 
And I, so I thought they were playing into that just a little bit. So I'm hoping that that's why our acting was kind of subpar because they're supposed to be like <laughs> these ditzy new lovers or whatever. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll be the optimist. So we get to see a repeat of the ending of last week's episode. But this time we get to see dad included in the conversation. And I really appreciated the extra detail on the phone booth that he was talking in. Hmm. It had a decal for Sacretel. Oh. Which isn't a real company, but you can figure out that it's Sacramento Telecom. <laughs> and then we find out later that um, Sam ta- tracked their father down in Sacramento. So it's just a nice little extra. That is a nice extra detail. detail. His first words to him after figuring out his dad was, are you hurt? And I don't know why, it just feels weird. Of like, they, They've already put together that dad doesn't want to be found. And, and, it, and it's been six months. Like, if he was hurt, it's, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's healed. He's, he's either perfectly fine or... I don't know. It was just a weird question, I guess. But I, I guess it would be more common to say, are, are you okay? Or is everything okay? But like specifically, are you hurt? Like, I don't know. There's something weird about specifically asking that. I don't know why. Bruce, I really want to hear what you think. Um, I mean, you're the one who's been waiting for this conversation to happen. So how did you feel about the boys talking to their dad for the first time in this whole show? I'll be honest. It- Dad was annoying me throughout this. Um, I I get that he has to be cryptic. I'm sure there's a reason to keep them safe or blah, blah, blah. But there was a whole lot of like, I know your girlfriend's been dead, but you can't come see me. You have to do other things first. Like, it was just, uh, I, I I know we're supposed to love the guy so much. But in this in this scene itself, I was I feel like we are. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like we're supposed to love this guy. Oh, it's what's this actor's name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Everybody Jeffrey loves Morgan. him. <laughs> well, that's, that was actually, you know, because I, I agree with Casey, like, especially like even just from what we've seen from Sam and Dean, like he's a complex character. It's not just a very straightforward, like my wife's dead. I'm going to find her murderer and nothing else. Like nothing. There's nothing else to my character. Like, no, he's, he's complex, possibly an alcoholic, kind of a dick to Sam. And, um, yeah, you don't have to like him. I really enjoyed. So Sam and Dean are in the car and they're trying to decide whether they should go see dad or go um, help this couple. They don't even know yet in Indiana. I just enjoyed this scene tremendously. Um, the whole dialogue, the whole confrontation between Sam and Dean. Um, I felt it was really well written and really well acted. Um, it just felt like they were on, I don't know, they were in sync during this. It's just, I felt the most emotion between them during an argument that we've had so far. I agree. Um, I thought it was very consistent with what we've seen from the characters so far. But it was almost like, oh, this is going to be too much. And we're just going to see this conversation again and again and again. But this time it did actually boil over and advance to another degree where sam ends up leaving so that was a nice evolution of what we've been seeing so far and instead of just repeating the conversation we do um see it play out more in actual consequences from them constantly bickering about this 
at the beginning of the scene, I it did throw me off a little because Sam's driving. <laughs> and immediately I'm like, oh, why is Sam driving? And then right away, <laughs> so he can pull <laughs> over. I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'm conflicted, which I guess I'm supposed to be, that I understand where Sam is coming from. But at the same time, what they do is saves lives. So at least do this hunt and then go it's already been six months what's another couple days in a couple days their dad could be gone from sacramento oh that's true that's what i was thinking when he was initially like trying to hitchhike i was like is he gonna try to hitchhike the whole way to california (laughs) um because i was like that's probably gonna be gone by the time he gets there (laughs) it's that girl we meet a girl along the way we did meet a girl along the way what do you think about meg bruce so I didn't really have any initial reaction to her, um, but my wife, Ashley, um, while we're watching it, and uh, she's a little bit farther ahead than me, um, she goes, what do you think about this girl? I just go, I don't like her. And that's as far as I had for uh, pretty much farther into the episode until, like, Sam and her, like, part ways. I was like, okay, something going on here. Dean makes it into Burkittsville and gets to talk to Scotty. What a great guy. <laughs> and um, gives himself the alias of John Bonham, which Scotty immediately called him out on. Like, hey, drummer for Led Zeppelin. Got him. <laughs> Instant. There were a lot, lot of instances like that in this episode um, where I'd be like, oh, uh, well, that's kind of weird. And then they'd immediately call it out. So, like, specifically that one um, where he's like, no, that's a drummer. And then uh, when the girl jumps into the the car or the van, and he's like, are you going to ride in this van? Like, it, they immediately like were like, exactly what I was thinking. Like, this is odd. And then they would, like, uh, you know, say it out loud, which I'm sure is a specific word, Greg. Um, Lampshading. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> and then even... Um... Whenever Dean tries to talk to that couple in Scotty's cafe, and he just straight up tells them if Sam was here with his puppy dog eyes, you would follow along. <laughs> um, I really love Dean's humor throughout this. What does he tell Scotty? You have a smile that can light up a room. <laughs> Speaking of the couple in the diner, um, the guy says to Dean that their car will be ready for. S- at- um, by sundown <laughs> who says that <laughs> it's an old timey little town but it was the guy driving through town <laughs> what the mechanic told him yeah the mechanic says just repeating his just words. Repeated it. i like that they threw the apple pie in there um just to kind of show you like the significance of that orchard in general like it's kind of the economic staple of the town yeah that's kind of cool. Um, also, you said uh, that Dean says the uh, that Sam would give would blink. What did you say? Blink his eyes. Puppy, his puppy dog eyes. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was an interesting conversation in general because it was kind of like uh, getting him to realize why Sam was with him. Things that he contributes to the team. So that's a cool little way to like show that, you know, they can't do it on their own or whatever already. But something I did really like was how competent Dean is during this episode without Sam. So it's not that 
oh, he can't do it without Sam. He's useless without him. It's that he just has to do it differently. Hmm. So Dean was still able to figure out what, what this monster was, what they need to do to kill it and everything without Sam. I mean, he did almost die at the end, <laughs> but not the point. Um, he, I just like that he wasn't suddenly useless just because Sam wasn't around. Which is good because it's uh, true to the story because it's already been established that he's been on hunts without Sam or his dad. He was, he went on hunts on his own. Exactly. I like how we go to the trusty college professors. That's becoming a regular like occurrence now. <laughs> he is not trusty. <laughs> <laughs> this local... Well, I like to think that the professors got caught up in the town <laughs> drama. He's like, ah, okay. You know. None of my business. Do you guys want to hear about some of the lore for this episode? I'd love to hear you some more. So we have a few different things we can talk about. First, we'll take a look at the veneer. So the veneer are one of two groups of gods in Norse mythology. They are typically associated with health, fertility, wisdom, and the ability to see the future. They went to war with the other group, the Aesir, which resulted in the veneer becoming a subgroup of the Aesir. The Aesir deities are more widely known today. You guys will know these names. They include Odin, Thor, Frigg, and Baldr. But for more of the veneer and Aesir, I definitely recommend checking out a little book called Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. It features Norse myth told in modern ways. Um, so they're almost just redone like short stories. Definitely recommend it, especially if you can get the audiobook. Neil Gaiman narrates it really, really good. Then we have what's called blot, which is the Norse term for sacrifice in Norse paganism. So a blot could be dedicated to any of the Norse gods, the spirits of the land, or to the ancestors. The sacrifice involved aspects of a sacramental meal or feast. And the summer blot was undertaken in mid-April, which lines up perfectly with this episode. Only difference being that the summer blot was typically given in dedication to Odin. The sacrifice was animals, not humans. <laughs> in Norse religion, they didn't really do a lot of human sacrifice. There's some evidence that it happened, but not to this degree where they're doing it every year. It was typically just done with animals. There's definitely some inspiration pulled from American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Um, are you guys familiar with the American Gods at all? I've heard the name many times, and I don't even know a synopsis. So it's one of my favorite books, um, but the whole premise of it is that whenever people were immigrating to America, they brought their old gods with them. Like literally? Literally, yeah. So just like in this episode where they talk about this veneer came along with the sacred tree that they brought from, um, I think it just said Scandinavia. Same kind of idea by bringing whatever artifacts, rituals, anything, by bringing their beliefs, they brought the old gods with them. And then there's new gods that are being born in modern time. Like there's a god of technology and media and everything. And that those two factions go to war. Really great book. Um, it's also recently become a TV series, which is also, I've only watched the first season, but it was also pretty good. So check out both of those. And then the other element of lore we have are scarecrows. So this whole episode came about from Eric Kripke wanted to do a Scarecrow episode. And then they just used the pagan veneer to try to tie it in and make this whole story. Because they didn't really want to do another ghost episode. Um, so they ended up using the deity instead. But it seems like the killer Scarecrow genre uh, started around 1981 with the TV movie Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I couldn't find anywhere to watch it. Still uh -huh. looking. Hopefully I can. Um but the story of a 
killer scarecrow that I'm most familiar with is from the third book in the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series, Harold. I don't know. Have you guys heard that story before? No, please no. tell me. <laughs> I almost like completely forgot about this series, even though there's a movie based on it that came out last year. Still almost completely forgot about it until like watching this episode. It reminded me of this story. Sounds like a good story. When it got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool green pasture in the mountains to graze. Usually, they stayed there with the cows for two months, then they brought them down to the valley again. The work was easy enough, but oh, it was boring. All day, the two men tended their cows. At night, they went back to the tiny hut where they lived. They ate supper and worked in the garden and went to sleep. It was always the same. Then Thomas had an idea that changed everything. Let's make a doll the size of a man, he said. It would be fun to make, and we could put it in the garden to scare the birds. It should look like Harold, Alfred said. Harold was a farmer they both hated. They made a doll out of old sacks stuffed with straw. They gave it a pointy nose like Harold's and tiny eyes like his too. Then they added dark hair and a twisted frown. Of course, they also gave it Harold's name. Each morning on their way to the pasture, they tied Harold to a pole in the garden to scare away the birds. Each night, they brought him inside so that he wouldn't get ruined if it rained. When they were feeling playful, they would talk to him. One of them might say, How are the vegetables growing today, Harold? Then the other, making believe he was Harold, would answer in a crazy voice, Very slowly. They both would laugh. <laughs> but not Harold. Whenever something went wrong, they took it out on Harold. They would curse at him, even kick or punch him. Sometimes one of them would take the food they were eating, which they both were sick of, and smear it on the doll's face. How do you like that stew, Harold? He would ask. Well, you better eat it, or else... Then the two men would howl with laughter. <laughs> One night, after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. How could he grunt? Alfred asked. He's just a sack of straw. It's not possible. Let's throw him in the fire, Thomas said, and that will be that. Let's not do anything stupid, said Alfred. We don't know what's going on. When we move the cows down, we'll leave him behind. For now, let's just keep an eye on him. So they left Harold sitting in the corner of the hut. They didn't talk to him or take him outside anymore. Now and then, the doll grunted, but that was all. After a few days, they decided there was nothing to be afraid of. Maybe a mouse or some insects had gotten inside Harold and were making those sounds. So Thomas and Alfred went back to their old ways. Each morning, they put Harold out in the garden, and each night they brought him back into the hut. When they felt playful, they joked with him. When they felt mean, they treated him as badly as ever. Then one night, Alfred noticed something that frightened him. Harold's growing, he said. I was thinking the same thing, Thomas said. Maybe it's just our imagination, Alfred replied. We've been up here on this mountain for too long. The next morning while they were eating, Harold stood up and walked out of the hut. <laughs> he climbed up on the roof and trotted back and forth like a horse on his hind legs. All day and all night, he trotted like that. In the morning, Harold climbed down and stood in a far corner of the pasture. The men had no idea what he would do next. They were afraid. They decided to take the cows down into the valley that same day. When they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. They felt as if they had escaped a great danger and began joking and singing. But when they had gone only a mile or two, they realized they had forgotten to bring the milking stools. Neither one wanted to go back for them, but the stools would cost a lot to replace. There really is nothing to be afraid of, they told one another. After all, what could a doll do? They drew straws to see which one would go back. It was Thomas. 
I'll catch up with you, he said, and Alfred walked toward the valley. When Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. He didn't see him anywhere. But he did see Harold. The doll was on the roof of the hut again. As Alfred watched, Harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun. <laughs> All right, then. What? That's, that's the story of Harold. They really the stuck with you, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's, uh, I would say probably the most popular Killer Scarecrow story. <laughs> it's, um, the only Killer Scarecrow story that I've ever heard, other really? than this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other thing that came to mind during the episode was Jeepers Creepers 2. <laughs> I never even watched the first one. Well, in the second one specifically, the creeper like hides itself as a scarecrow. And that was the closest I came. Why do you think that scarecrows are used as scary stories so much? Because they're spooky, yo. But they're just like a normal prop to assist in like, you know, farming. I think it's because it is the shape of human and it might not look super lifelike at first. But the darker it gets, the more it looks like a regular person or like a real person. And so that just adds to the creepiness of it. Like at night, this thing looks more real. So I think for me, it starts with the cornfield. I think the aspect of the cornfield at night is scarier than like a scarecrow out in an open field. So what makes sense for you to find in a cornfield at night that technically shouldn't be scary, but you can make scary. Scarecrow fits, mm-hmm. which is part of like what I don't. There was just something in this episode that didn't entirely work for me, and I hate it because I can't explain it. But I don't know. Maybe that's it. Of I felt like there just should have been something scarier about the scarecrow that wasn't there. And maybe it's just the cornfield was missing. I think you're right. I, you don't usually associate the scarecrow with a apple <laughs> orchard. Or even a hazelnut farm. Or even a hazelnut. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but like, they're trees. <laughs> like, yeah, I think you don't associate scarecrows with an orchard because they don't have, they, that seems pretty useless. They're trees. Birds go in trees. Even if real people are around, the birds are in the trees. <laughs> Interesting. And just kind of a fun fact, like they really wanted this to be a cornfield episode. Mm. But because the show is made in British Columbia, there are no cornfields there. So that's where they went. Apple orchard. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And couldn't even get that. No, because (laughs) they should have had ears of corn in these bushels. They're corn trees. (laughs) Can we talk about these old people? These terrifying old people who apparently don't have names who want to just sacrifice their... Oh, yeah, they're just rearing to go to sacrifice Emily. Speaking of Emily, was it said or implied that what happened to her parents? She said they died. Car accident? I think she said a car accident. I was wondering if her parents counted as the couple like 
10 years ago. That'd be a fun fan theory. I'm pretty sure they said car accident. So that would kind of be a good way to hide the fact that there's, you know, the car is missing and they are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Did you guys, so Scarecrow in the first kill felt like he almost was teleporting or running really fast, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The the way he caught up to the first couple, um, our second couple, it felt like he was moving much slower because uh, Dean was able to stand there and shoot him. Like it was just a very slow, drawn out. And even if you want to count the uh, uh, like the last you know attempt or last kill, um, it took a very long time for him to even show up. Like it just it it the quickness of the kills, I think slowed down as you know time went on in this episode i don't know if that's intentional or if it was just needed for the story or probably just needed for the story i I like to explain it away by just thinking that he was just having fun with it you know like (laughs) there's really no consequence for him if anyone gets away they're just sacrifices for him it's not like he dies if he doesn't feed yeah he just has an excuse to be angry and kill the trees Although I I do agree though, especially with that last kill, he very much seemed like a human dragging two people away. One mm-hmm. one stabbed and one as a hostage. <laughs> it just it looked like a person doing it. <laughs> do you think he killed them at the end? Um was that intentional or is that just the closest kill you think? No, uh, it was definitely intentional, I think. Yeah. Because they were a pair. And he took them as a pair. I did think that was pretty cool. Like, I don't know. Well, you've seen the episode before, Casey. Did you see this coming? Or maybe even the first time you saw this, did you see that coming? Because for some reason, I didn't. And until it happened, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, of course. But up up until then. I'd... So I remembered when I watched it this time that it happened. I can't remember what I thought the first time <laughs> I saw it. 15 years ago. So I was kind of really excited when he got killed because I was like, oh, this guy's the worst. But at the same time, he was probably the most redemptive. Is that a word? Redemptive? Um, it is now. He, he, yeah, he he was the only one that I think I would have saved amongst all of them because oh. he was the one that was like, well, why do we have to kill her? Like, he at least, <laughs> like, cared a little bit. Everyone else was like, yeah, just just kill the little teenager. You know, she doesn't matter or whatever. I cared little a little bit about one particular person because it was his niece. Um, and I also thought it was funny after he died, I realized it's like, oh, why does it have to be her? Man, I just wish there was some other way, just any other way. But no, I can't think of anything. It's like, no, there is another way. Yep. <laughs> you got got. I really like the scene where I don't even know if we know who called who. But where Sam and Dean are talking on the phone, it felt genuine. It's just because they separated doesn't mean that they suddenly hate each other and aren't going to talk to each other. No, they're still talking to each other on the phone, checking in, making sure everything's okay, and just talking to each other. Uh, um, I really appreciated that element in this episode. Even after they, they, the reason they split up was a big fight, and they're still like, like you said, they're they're checking in, they're good. Um, and it definitely reminded of me and my brother because pretty much every time we talk, we have some form of an argument and then we're fine 10 minutes later. <laughs> it's very brotherly. And uh, a writer definitely, I think, stepped up the game with this dialogue as well. I felt 
this conversation, the conversation they had in the beginning was on par with each other. Um, like you said, genuine Dean was very, um, he couldn't express it, but you know, he, uh, was still himself and Sam was able to understand him without him saying those words. It was a cool way to see them communicate with each other. But yeah. I really like that conversation as well. All right, Bruce. Yeah. what do you think about the ending? Uh, we're talking about the, uh, rogue, um, throat slasher. I'm trying to call her. Is it? You, is that... you can call her Meg. <laughs> Meg the throat slasher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, Ashley, my wife said, what do you think about her? So naturally when I'm seeing her drive down the road, um, with this guy again, I'm like, Oh, okay. There's more to it. Uh, and there are like five minutes left of this episode. <laughs> um, and I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, something's going to happen. And when she does it, I was like, what? I don't even, she pulls out the, uh, cup. So what's she doing with the cup? I was like, is she going to talk into it? And then she like slashes the guy's throat. I'm like what, what is she going to drink it? No, she's going to call somebody on it because cell phones <laughs> aren't a thing. Um, so I was just like, what is going on? I already didn't really care for this girl. Um, but I did think it was cool that she was talking to father. So who father is, um, I'll talk more, I guess in predictions. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I thought it was cool. It was just, it was, it, it made sense, but I d- wasn't ready for it to happen. If that makes any sense. Like when it happened, I was like, okay, there it is. But I, I could have no way predicted this happening. Am I, am I crazy? Does Meg look familiar at all? Like, who is she? Like the actress? Yeah. Was there any point where you looked at her and you thought, Hey, who is that? Welcome to our weekly segment where we take a look at some guest stars featured in this episode of Supernatural. So while we're talking about her, let's start off with our new blood talker, Meg. Played by Nikki Acox. Hey. (laughs) Who is that? You might recognize Nikki Acox from a 1997 episode of Boy Meets World, a 1999 episode of The X-Files, Possibly her recurring role as Christina Rush on the CBS hit Old Case. Or, from the already talked about film, Jeepers Creepers 2, that features a monster that disguises itself as a scarecrow. Next up, we have our reluctant murderer, Uncle Harley, played by the one and only Tom Butler. Hey, who is that? You might know Tom Butler from playing Quinn's father on two episodes of the great show Sliders, playing the governor on the TV series Animorphs, along with Kat from last week's episode, his portrayal of Mayor Leslie Adams on The Killing, or maybe just a season nine episode of Supernatural playing a completely different character. Then we'll go to our bad sheriff, who doesn't have a name, played by David Orth. Hey, who is that? Now, as soon as I saw David Orth, I knew that I recognized him from something. And I could not figure out what it was. And then suddenly, it hits me. He was on The Lost World. Are you guys familiar with the show Lost World? Oh my world? god. It's, it was, oh, it's like a fever <laughs> dream. Is that the one with that, the dinosaurs in the treehouse? Yes. yes. Oh that my is the god. exact same feeling that came across me. So, Bruce, 
Let me give you a rundown of the TV show, The Lost World. This is the synopsis. At the dawn of the 20th century, a band of British adventurers led by adventurer and scholar Professor George Challenger embark on an expedition to prove the existence of an isolated lost world. The team, consisting of a mismatched group of enthusiasts with less than selfless reasons for making the journey, begin their trip under less than ideal conditions. Their hot air balloon crashes in the Amazon rainforest and on an uncharted plateau where prehistoric creatures survive. The group is assisted by a young, jungle-savvy woman named Veronica Layton, whose parents disappeared 11 years before. Her family was part of a research group known to have vanished under mysterious circumstances. Together, the group fights to survive against carnivorous dinosaurs, vicious Neanderthals, a race of lizardmen, and other perils as they search for a way to escape. It's so good. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember if it's good at all because... A wild show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to have to watch this. 66 episodes. I could probably knock that out by our next podcast. Next up, we're going to talk about the one that Greg's been waiting for. The naughty professor who gave out probably more information than you should have. Played by William B. Davis. Hey! Who is that? You guys might recognize William B. Davis as the cigarette smoking man from 11 seasons of the X-Files. Man, there's something wrong with my childhood that I watched that show so much and I don't remember any of it. All right, and last up for this week, we have the man with a smile that lights up a room, Scotty, played by Brent Strait. Hey, who is that? Now, Brent Strait has... 147 actor credits but we're going to focus on what's really important here this appearance on supernatural his season six appearance on supernatural and his season 15 appearance on (laughs) supernatural all playing entirely different characters that's right he's our first one with three wonderful overachiever thank you for joining us we'll see you next time on hey who is that I give this episode 8 Scarecrows out of 10. Overall, great episode. Up until now, we've had urban legends, ghosts, and demons. Um, So I really enjoyed having something way different, pagan god. Um, If I was watching this for the first time, I would not have predicted that. As we discussed, there are a few things that made me think, quote, I shouldn't think too hard about this. But otherwise, it's a great episode, so 8 out of 10. I completely agree with you. Um, I also gave it 8 eight out of 10 apple pies. Um, I loved the brother argument. You know, the conflict we had at the beginning, um, it lasted through at least throughout the episode and was resolved um, fairly well. Sam's reason to come back to Dean felt a little forced, um, I wasn't completely convinced that him and uh, Carol talking in the, uh, um, <laughs> I, I can't, what's her name? <laughs> Meg. Uh, with, I, I didn't think that Sam and Meg, uh, so they're talking, was enough to convince Sam that he needed to be with his brother at the time. Um, so that just, it felt a little weird to me. I did like, the, it felt feels better now that we um, aren't, finding dad because dad doesn't want them to be found 
or doesn't want to be found, but rather than us just like, where's dad? Um, where are we going? It, it feels a little bit more at least directioned, even though we don't know where we're going. At least there's a reason that we can't get there. Um, so I did like that part of it. Um, all in all, it was just a really fun story. Left with us with a couple great uh, cliffhangers. Um, the Meg slitting the guy's throat, talking to the cup in the blood, whatever that was. So just, uh, just a really fun episode. Eight out of ten apple pies. Boys, we did it again. Oh, yeah? Unanimous. Eight apple pies out of ten. Nice. Um, I agree. Like It was a very different episode from what we've seen so far. The brothers were divided. Um, we got a completely new monster of the week. The little red herring of a possible romantic interest for Sam just completely turning bad at the end. And um, like I said earlier, I think they played the storyline of them being apart really well with Dean still showing himself to be very capable without Sam around, but still um, showing areas where Sam does help him out. So it's not like he just doesn't need Sam at all at the same time. And also that great costume for the scarecrow really helped the episode a lot. Eight apple pies out of ten. Hey, Greg. What are we watching next week? Next week on Supernatural, we're watching Season 1, Episode 12, Faith. While battling a demon, Dean is electrocuted, resulting in permanent damage to his heart and leaving him with only a couple of months to live. Whoa. Is this going to be the end? (laughs) (laughs) I love this episode so much. I don't remember... Oh, it's so I, I vaguely remember good. the heart thing. Um, it sounds that description sounds like a soap opera description. Well, then it's perfect <laughs> for Dean. Add some, yeah, add some amnesia in there. Bruce, what do you think is going to happen? Um, so I was off. We did not meet Dad. We got to talk to him. We didn't, but we weren't in physically talking to him in the same room. And that made me a little bit sad for this midseason. Uh, I guess jumping back on point. Um, because of the way this show set up, uh, I'm pretty sure the next couple episodes are going to be uh, sort of side stories. I don't think we're going to deal a whole lot with Dad or these demons that keep popping up that know what happened to uh, Sam's girlfriend. Um, I liked the end of this episode where we get to see the meg the throat cutting bandit um and she's talking to the father um so i immediately connected to the uh demon on the uh plane right you see a demon disaster so i so i immediately connected to the disaster demon and so i like to think of both of them on the same plane at this point um i believe that there's those two and then i think there's a thousand other because dad was like hey uh they're listening to us so there's more of them uh everybody's listening and they're all talking to the father um who i like to think at this point killed um his girlfriend but that seems too obvious at this point so i'm gonna say that he's not the killer um so whoever father is uh, is the leader of all these little demons that are running around uh they obviously have some beef with the winchester clan um so I'm predicting that we're meeting dad face to face, talking to him in a, in a room. Um, episode 20. I still think I'm going to stick to the, he's saving them in the nick of time. Um, so something's going to happen. 
And they're not going to know how they're going to get out of this because, let's be honest, they luck out with a lot of these at the end. Um, and Dad's going to come in and save the day with, I don't know, salt or something. Uh, but <laughs> you sound like, salt shaker. You sound like Eric Kripke writing it. Dad's going to come in with salt or something. Uh, and that's how we'll meet him. And, uh, you know, that gives us a couple episodes to defeat the demon uh for this season what do you think is going to happen with meg i think she's a one-off um i like i said i think she's a part of an army the same as the the disaster demon um she might re show up at least one more time but i don't think she's that big i think it just shows up us that there's a bunch of them out there Uh, I do have one more question, Um, more specifically for next week's episode. Bruce, even you know that Jensen Ackles sticks around for a while. So do you have any predictions for him to get out of this predicament that is uh, lined up in the the synopsis for next week? Or what do you call that? Preview for next week? So we get zapped in the heart um, by a demon, right? As they're fighting a demon. Mm, Somehow electrocuted. I don't know. Okay. So whatever way stopped his heart or whatever <laughs> will restart it. Some wonky thing will happen and he'll get hit with it one more time and it'll fix everything. Okay. I really like that logic. I hope it pans out. I don't remember. So for any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to natural friends podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at natural friends podcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for your continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural, natural, natural Friends. 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 Supernatural Friends. Supernatural Friends. All right. You guys sleepy? I'm sleepy.